please let me express my gratitude to the World Organized Committee for such a welcoming and beautiful event. Uh, the talk I proposed today is a part of my researches focused on putting hermeneutic phenomenology in dialogue with a psychiatry with regard to the methodological implication that this encounter can have both in clinical practices and in philosophical challenges. Basically, what I'm going to present in this occasion is aimed to show how a phenomenologically informed psychiatry can fill the gap between clinical definitions and existential meanings, overcoming the one-sign tendency of biological approach to describe and consequently to treat psychopathological phenomena as a result of brain's dysfunction or merely bodily diseases. The scope of applying phenomenology and hermeneutics to healthcare is not to select symptoms in view of a nosographical diagnosis, rather is to recover the underlying characteristic modifications that keeps the manifold of phenomena meaningfully interconnected in the life world of a person in describing and understanding the inner experience of a human being, of its suffering, and also the limitation of its freedom. Basically, this paper is articulated on three fundamental questions and hope to be able to address them properly in the same time. First question, why psychiatry should need an hermeneutic phenomenological approach to mental health? Second, how can this approach illuminate clinical practices providing a substantial contribution in this field? And third, how can philosophy benefit from this encounter? As said above, the answers to these questions are aimed to reach a goal, fill the gap between clinical definitions and its existential meanings. Let's start with the first question. Why psychiatry should need an hermeneutic phenomenological approach to mental health? Psychiatry is a very young field. And it's 150 years, it has known many changes and difficulties, and perhaps it's still developing, adjusting and modifying both in theory and practice. Born as alienism in terms of medication of mental afflictions, psychiatry has faced at least four important challenges. First, it had to define its object, the so-called psychiatry object, and its implication in all the aspects of human life, but what is a psychiatry object? It's not the brain and it's not an isolated body, rather it's the human being in its totality, vulnerability and complexity. It, in its being a social cultural subject embedded in a society and sometimes lost in the search for meanings. This object is nothing less than existence in all its problematic forms and variations. Using Heidegger's words, if existence has to do with the way through which human being has to be, it means that this modus essendi has a precise way to manifest itself, also among people affected by mental health issues. So we find that the psychiatry and philosophy are the same object, not diseases, but, but existence and the recovering of its meanings. Secondly, psychiatry had to find its language able to understand, clarify, classify, and communicate its object in a way that is valid for the scientific community. We find that the second challenge of this discipline is another philosophical issue, a matter of language. The problem of the name of an illness is not merely the problem of diagnosis, but it's also a problem of words and values that ground a diagnosis. In other words, it's a problem of how psychiatry, nosology, and classifications fit the ontological constitution of human being. 
This means that we cannot simply classify mental symptoms as something that happens in a casual or mechanistic terms. Mental symptoms are not things that happen to have a content and also meaning to the sufferer. Mental symptoms have a wider, deeper, personal and cultural sense and fluidity. Self-report questionnaires can never capture the full complexity and nuances, and therefore a more qualitative, phenomenological and formal approach is needed both in research and medical practices. In third place, psychiatry has to define its practices in terms of clinical interventions. It means that a psychiatry along the centuries had to calibrate the descriptive method to the object that basically is a subject. In other words, it had to put into question the methods and its ability to grasp inexperiences of people affected by mental health diagnosis. And fourth, psychiatry had to define its practices in terms of relationships with society and cultural context. So, in order to address the first question, we can say that a phenomenological and formal approach to psychiatry can illuminate the epistemological status of this ladder and its practices in a setting up different theoretical frameworks and can define more clearly the subjective essence of the given experience before becoming a subject of studying a philosophy. In a philosophy classes, phenomenology is the method that underpins all science. One aim of the phenomenological world is consequently to disclose, disentangle, explicate and articulate those components and structures that are implicitly contained in the pre-reflective experience. As a method, applying, psychiatry to, applying phenomenology to psychiatry implies a new understanding of psychopathological phenomena, a radical move away from an objective body-oriented psychiatry, which is grounded on the idea that of fixing something broken instead of understanding why existence itself can collapse and lose its meaning. Let's move to the second question. How can this approach illuminate clinical practices providing, providing a substantial contribution in this field? To address this question I find particularly important providing you clinical experiences and I would like to briefly recall Biswanger's experience. Dissatisfied with the method of applying natural sciences to mental illness and their treatments, hesitant about the Freudian mechanism, and unhappy with the lack of attention toward the inner experience of human beings suffering, Biswanger found alternative <coughs> conceptual frameworks in Husserl's and Heidegger's meditation. For him, psychiatry was not merely a matter of treating the insane, the psychotic or the neurotic, but the result of a continued confrontation between a diagnosis and phenomenology and hermeneutics. I quote, we realize, uh, we realize that by investigating the destruction of being in the world, we can also approach and explore a psychosis, understanding them as a specific modes of transcending. In this context, we do not say mental illnesses are diseases of the brain, which of course they remain from a medical clinical viewpoint, but we say in medical diseases we face modifications of the fundamental or essential structure and of the structural links of being in the world as transcendence. Biswanger interpreted mental disorders as multiple possible modes of declination of the being in the world through employing the concept of the designs and illusion that was presented by Heidegger in a synopsis. Symptoms are taken not only as a science of dysfunction but privately as the key to allowing access to the specific mode of being in the world of the patient, thereby disclosing its project 
and constitute norms. From a theoretical point of view, a psychiatric symptom is not the market like an object, rather is a certain configuration of consciousness that involves the, phenoma the phenomenal flow with its intentional content and form. Perhaps we could define a symptom as a gestalt, and as such, a descriptive approach is improbable. Descriptive methods of present-day psychiatry tend to perpetuate the problem of description because these methods, mainly based on the third-person approach, are not adequately tailored to the ontological nature of the psychiatry object that is experientially a complete form of existence, a human being in a particular form of existence. It's not a matter of fixing, rather it's a matter of understanding and treating in a different way. To address the second question, we can summarize in claiming that the scope of a clinical phenomenology is to recover the underlying characteristic modification that keeps the manifold of phenomena meaningfully interconnected in the life world of the person. Phenomenology is efficacious in understanding the patients without forgetting biological constraints. A vision of a person as a psychophysical entity useful for not underestimating either the psyche or the natural organism. The work on the fundamental structures of existence may help psychiatrists, psychologists and therapists in offering a new approach to understanding the human being, its vulnerability and the possibility of recovery. The advantages of using a phenomenological approach are both methodological and practical. Methodological because focusing on, subject, on subjective experiences and not only on symptoms, considering the real object of psychopathology, the person, and her or is a subjective experiences instead of biological symptoms. And second, practical, because phenomenology helps to hypothesize therapy in modifying the relationship between the clinician and the patients, providing a person-centered approach and define the dimension of the clinical encounter. There are at least four important issues that can be illuminated by a phenomenological informed approach to psychiatry. First, the problem of diagnosis. It's not merely the problem of names of illness, but it's the problem of philosophical definitions and social values that found a diagnosis. Second, the gap between clinical definitions and existential meanings. In other words, is the problem of how taxonomy can fit the ontological constitution of human being as such in its fragility, mortality, linguistic ability, in its desires, fears and concerns, in its personal history that is not only the history of his or her illness, rather is the history of his or her or life. Of course, I do not suggest getting rid of diagnosis categories, rather I suggest that they need to be complemented by an hermeneutic phenomenological approach. Second, the issue of treatment is at the core uh, of medicine. It cannot be merely understood as a massive recurse to drugs. The treatment of mental disorder with drugs is not the same sort of activity as the use of drugs in medicine. Psychiatric drugs do not target underlying diseases or symptoms producing mechanisms. They create an altered state of mental functioning that is superimposed on underlying feelings and behaviors. 
Mental distress is viewed as a burden or illness to get rid of as quickly as possible and without pain. Medication fits very well into this view, providing hopes of quick fixes. However, in many cases, mental distress can become chronic and lead to long-term disability. Phenomenology can help in this issue since it focuses on the ability of the patient of being a meaning-making entity rather than a passive individual. And here in treatment become an effort to reconstruct vulnerable, uh, to reconstruct a vulnerable dialogue of the soul with herself. Fourth, the issue of the encounter. The encounter between a patient and practitioner is always a personal encounter between existences that must communicate and enter in a relationship with each other. For this reason, a psychiatry demands the understanding of the human being in its entirety, a good ability to empathize, attention to multiple sources of knowledge, each with its epistemology and methods of inquiry. However, there is also another encounter, that is the encounter between the patient and his condition. This is how patients start to recognize that something is disturbing in their ordinary way of living. This encounter is like a movement from a private subjective experience to an objectified disease, which constitutes to be experienced as a symptoms by the ill person, and it is a significant transition. The illness is no longer a private musing on the nature of unexpected bodily change but an item in medical vocabulary and ontology to which shared meanings and knowledge are attached. How can, achieve, uh, how can we achieve a, dis a different approach to all the issues? I suggest a list on two levels. First, in medical training in the university. Basic training in phenomenology could be implemented alongside statistics. Phenomenological training should also include methods of self-reflexivity. For medical students, this means not only learning how to communicate with patients, for example, bring bad news, but it means to learn how to enter in a true dialogue with the patients. On this point, it's also very important to fill another gap, the one between academics and practitioners. Those who are familiar with medical humanities and cross borders frequently between the disciplines, know exactly how difficult it is to put these two groups of people in dialogue due to their education, their specific focus and their methods. Nevertheless, academics and practitioners need to be in dialogue because they share common essential values, the understanding of and care for people. It means normally finding appropriate occasions to talk to each other, but also to find a common language in which words can show relations and, not, and are not used only to signify objects. On a second level, in medical research, especially on medical health mixed methods, qualitative research should be improved to enrich diagnosis and the full therapeutic approaches. Qualitative approaches may bring to light different issues that cannot be addressed just with medication. Clinicians and physicians should keep in mind that the will of helping patients always involves a way of existing and not the functioning of something. If, only, if one only aims at the latter, the one does not add to the understanding or doesn't. But this is the goal. The human being is essentially in need of a hub because he is always in danger of losing himself and of not coming to grips with himself. 
This danger is connected with the human being's freedom. <coughs> the entire question of the human being's capacity for being healed is connected with the imperfection of its unfolding essence. Each illness is a loss of freedom, a constriction of the possibility for living. When Heidegger refers to freedom, it's not referring to a particular capacity to be free or have access to some specific rights. Rather, it refers to an ontological feeder that allows human beings to be free, which is to be free and open for being claimed by something. Following Heidegger's words, we can move now to the last question. How can philosophy benefit from this encounter? It seems to me that we can address this question on two levels. On a first level, philosophy is invited to leave the dark and dusty holes of metaphysical thinking to move into the greener pastures of social dimension, partially recovering also the taste of its original status, a way of life, and as such, a way of understanding and acting. Philosophy, reduced to philosophical discourse, develops in a different atmosphere and environment from that of ancient philosophy. In a modern university philosophy, philosophy is no longer a way of life or a form of life, unless it is the form of life of a professor of philosophy. Positioned into the space of social dimension, philosophy and phenomenology as its method needs to deal not only with the fact of singularity, but also with the issue of polarity a topic that only tangentially has been investigated by, philosoph by philosophy in its history. We can no longer ask who I am and how I can know the world in which I'm embedded. Rather, we need to investigate the social, cultural, and political dimension of ourselves, asking who we are, how can we deal with each other. Questions are need to be asked also in terms of medical humanities and interdisciplinary dialogue. On a second level, philosophy is invited to relocate human being in the world and not behind, as Gunda Anders claimed. And the interdisciplinary dialogue can be a fruitful occasion to accomplish this goal. As a matter of fact, the constellation of the events that have crossed the 20th century and are still undergoing in our time have clearly shown that the thread of Western metaphysical tradition is broken and we shall not, not be able to renew it. Our philosophical tradition can no longer place under the carpet non-metaphysical themes, and it needs to face and challenge its ability to address urgent issues also in the field of healthcare. I would like to conclude with a provocative thinking. Psychiatry manifests its vulnerability under double side, ontologically, because of its object, the human being, and sociologically, because of the social cultural dimension in which it is embedded. This vulnerability risks to compromise the aims and the mission of this discipline. There is the highest need for doctors who think and who do not wish to leave the field entirely to scientific technicians, claimed Heidegger during his experience of the Zollican seminars. It's easy to become a health bookkeeper. Other is to be a medical caregiver and perhaps philosophy can be a good companion in reaching this purpose. I thank you for your attention.